take your Bibles and open with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll get a couple of church members to come and uh, bring you one. Mark chapter 10. So we've been preaching through Mark on Sunday mornings for about a year now. And it's been a joy, hasn't it? I said, it's been a joy, hasn't it? Our text this morning is very much a turning point in the Gospel of Mark. And I say that for a couple reasons. First of all, this is the last event recorded before Jesus enters Jerusalem, where he is going to be crucified. Since chapter 8, Jesus and his disciples have been moving geographically toward Jerusalem, toward the cross of crucifixion. And in our text this morning, Jesus is now just 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem. Next week, we're going to see Jesus and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This text is also a turning point because it is the conclusion of the sandwich. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are like, what in the world? There's sandwiches in the Bible? So let me explain. Throughout Mark's gospel, he uses a literary technique that Bible scholars call sandwiching. Just like a physical sandwich has two pieces of bread and some kind of filling on the inside, a literary sandwich is where you have a story on one side and a story on the other side, and you have some kind of teaching in between that relates to those two stories. So Mark has put one big literary sandwich in the middle of his gospel. It begins with a physically blind man receiving his sight from Jesus in chapter 8, verse 25, and it ends with a physically blind man receiving his sight from Jesus in our text this morning. In between these two stories of physically blind men receiving their sight, we see three times where Jesus clearly tells his disciples that he is going to be killed and rise again on the third day. But how do the disciples respond? They just don't see it. They just don't understand what Jesus is talking about. They can't see why Jesus would die and rise again. They have a sort of spiritual blindness. So Mark is using this section of his gospel to draw a parallel between physical blindness and spiritual blindness. So our text this morning is going to continue this theme of spiritual blindness, and we will glean much truth about our need for the light, Jesus Christ. So look with me now at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. 
And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and called him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this story of Bartimaeus. I thank you for this section of the Gospel of Mark where we can learn so much about our blindness and our need for sight, our need for mercy. Father, I pray this morning that you would reveal to us how desperate we are for you, how desperate we are for mercy, how desperate we are for sight. Pray that you would show us Jesus this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand we have blind spots and we need your word to show them to us. Do it, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's set the scene for this encounter between Jesus and Bartimaeus. Look at verse 46. It says, and they came to Jericho. So Jericho is the last major city before entering Jerusalem, whenever you're traveling there from the northeast. It's kind of like an oasis in the midst of a large desert-like wilderness. At this time, when Jesus and his disciples are passing through Jericho, there are people from all over Israel that are traveling the same path toward Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of the Passover. So let me, uh, let me pause for a quick second for a side note about the Passover. All of our kids should remember what the Passover is, right, kids? Because this past Wednesday night, our community kid teachers taught our children about what the Passover is, right? The Passover was a big deal for the Israelites. It was a time when they remembered what God did for them thousands of years earlier when they were enslaved in Egypt. God sent a plague of death throughout the land of Egypt one night, but he spared those who put the blood of a spotless lamb over the doorpost of their home. And our kids uh, even made a craft to remind them of the Passover. And this is one that my son made. It's a doorpost and it has some red marker representing the blood of the lamb. And in the middle it says, Christ, our Passover lamb was sacrificed for us. These people, as they were traveling to Jerusalem, may not have realized in their midst, 
was the Lamb of God who would be sacrificed for them. His blood would be shed so that they did not have to experience the wrath of God like these Israelites did not have to experience the wrath of God in Egypt. So back to the crowds that are on the road to Jericho. So Jericho was a very busy place at this time. There are people everywhere. Look at verse 46. It says, not only are there people everywhere for the Passover, it says that there was a great crowd that was following Jesus. So on top of the crowds traveling for the Passover, you got tons of people that have just been following Jesus all throughout his ministry. Remember, it wasn't only the 12 disciples that were following him. There were many others. In this text, there was a great many at this time following him. So Jesus is famous all throughout Israel. He's been healing, teaching, doing miracles. And as he passed through Jericho, there must have been plenty of whispering about this teacher, this healer that was passing through. There must have been lots of curious eyes trying to get a glimpse of him. There must have been lots of people that just stood in silence as they watched the Lord pass by. And then it happened. A voice pierced into this scene in verse 37. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People rebuked him and tried to get him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Notice how they tried to quiet him down, but Bartimaeus was not going to be stopped because he was desperate. If you're taking notes this morning, our first truth is this. Truth number one, we are in desperate need of mercy and sight. We are in desperate need of mercy and sight. Bartimaeus probably made a lot of people around him in this scene feel very awkward when he started shouting. The people probably saw him as a disturbance to the famous healer that was walking through. They probably saw him as unworthy to come forward before Jesus. So they tried to stop him. But he continued, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We saw a similar kind of desperation from the blind man that Jesus healed back in chapter 8 at the beginning of this sandwich. Do you remember that? The blind man and his friends in Mark 8.22, listen to what it says. They begged Jesus to touch him. Why are these blind men so desperate? Because they have been subject to darkness their entire life. And they want to see. They want the light. It's what they yearn for the most. And nothing like making some people feel awkward is going to stop them. I think most of us have experienced a circumstance in our life where we felt so desperate for something that other things that are usually important to us started to fade away in importance. Let me give you an example. Let's say you arrive to the airport late for your flight. 
Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. Your flight leaves in about 30 minutes, and you walk in, and there is a gigantic security line between you and getting to your gate. So what are you going to do in that moment? Please, I need to cut the line. Have mercy. I'm going to miss my flight. Let me pass, please. You no longer care about looking silly in front of other people or making people feel inconvenienced or awkward. None of that matters to you anymore because what is most valuable is making that flight. Some of y'all might not even care if you run somebody over. You're going to make it. You're going to get on the flight. The value of making the flight is so high that you're willing to sacrifice the other things. Those other things pale in comparison to getting on that plane. Mark is using these stories of these blind men's physical desperation as a parallel to our spiritual desperation. First of all, we are all desperate for mercy. We are desperate for mercy. Why are we so desperate? Why are we in such a desperate position for mercy? Well, it's because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's because all of our hearts are deceitful above everything else, and our hearts are desperately sick. All of us are dead in our trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, living in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. We are by nature children of wrath. And apart from the light, Jesus Christ, all of us are destined for eternal darkness. Secondly, we are all desperate for spiritual sight. We are desperate for spiritual sight. You know what Satan does and what sin does? Blind the minds of people to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Sin and Satan keep people from realizing that they are truly lost in the darkness, walking a path to destruction. Sin and Satan keep you from realizing how desperately you need Christ. Sin and Satan keep you from realizing that what you value as most important is not what God sees as most important. Jesus said this, the one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. Because of selfishness and pride and hatred and disobedience and slander and cheating and dishonesty and adultery and evil, all of mankind is heading down a dark path to eternal destruction in the kingdom of darkness. However, there is good news. If you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling conviction that you may be like Bartimaeus, blind and in the darkness spiritually, there's good news to share with you this morning. Jesus, the promised healer, is passing by. 
Jesus, the promised ruler, the son of David, has come into the world. And this is our second truth this morning. Truth number two. Jesus is the promised king and healer. Jesus is the promised king and healer. The only way that our blindness to sin can be healed is by looking to the one who gives sight to the blind. The promised healer, Jesus. The only way that we can receive mercy and be spared from eternal darkness is by believing in the son of David, the promised king, Jesus. Bartimaeus pursues Jesus because he knows that Jesus is the healer that can offer him the sight that he needs. Bartimaeus calls Jesus the son of David because Jesus is the king that can offer the mercy that he needs. We don't know for certain uh, how well Bartimaeus knew his Old Testament scriptures, but if he did know his Old Testament, he would know that a thousand years before Jesus ever came into the world, it was foretold by God in 2 Samuel that an eternal king would come from the lineage of David. This king would be a good king. He would instill justice and offer mercy. Listen to 2 Samuel chapter 7. The Lord said to David, I will raise up your offspring after you, David, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. And Isaiah talked about Jesus, the coming king. In Isaiah 9, he said, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. Jesus is the promised king from thousands of years before who will rule with justice and righteousness, not neglecting the poor, offering mercy. If Bartimaeus knew his Old Testament, he would also know that it was foretold 700 years earlier by Isaiah that the Savior would come offering healing. Listen to Isaiah 35. He says, Your God will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And listen to Matthew 8, talking about the prophecy of Jesus being the coming healer. Matthew 8 says, He healed all who were sick, and this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This is the promised ruler and healer that is standing right in front of Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus knows what he's doing. He cries out for mercy and for sight from the Lord. Much in the same way, the Lord is standing right in front of us offering mercy and sight. And all of us must cry out to him for mercy and for sight. Now let's look at how Jesus responds to Bartimaeus' cry for mercy. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. 
And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now the question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It should sound familiar because last week in Brandon's sermon, the passage right before ours, we saw Jesus ask the same question. Look back at Mark 10.35. Just go, uh, go left in your Bible just a little bit. Mark 10.35, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? It's no coincidence that Mark puts these two passages back to back with Jesus asking the same question to different people. Do you remember what James and John were requesting of Jesus? Look at verse 37. They said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right and one at your left, in your glory. James and John responded to Jesus' question with a request for their own glory. Jesus goes on to teach them that instead of asking to be better or higher than everybody else, they should be seeking to be the last. They should be seeking to be the servant of everybody else. James and John asked for fame, but Bartimaeus asked for sight. James and John came to Jesus out of a position of entitlement, but Bartimaeus comes to Jesus out of a position of humility and faith. This blind beggar, ironically, sees Jesus more clearly than the disciples with two good eyes. Why did the disciples not see Jesus clearly? Why couldn't they see the error of their thinking? Because they had blind spots. They could not fully see the truth yet. They were seeing like the blind man at the beginning of this sandwich that Jesus healed in Mark 8. When Jesus healed that blind man in Mark 8, at first, all he could see was blurry images like trees walking around. They had blind spots. And the truth is, every single one of us has blind spots. And that's our third truth this morning. Truth number three we all have blind spots, every one of us. James and John probably thought that they were doing the right thing, coming to Jesus and making this request. The problem is that they didn't even realize that what they saw as important was not important to Jesus. They didn't even realize that they needed their values and their mind and their perspective to be changed. I think many of us try to ignore the conviction that we need to be changed. Amen? It makes us feel uncomfortable to know that we might not be doing life as Christ wants us to. 
we all have spots of disobedience, dishonor to our Lord that we are simply blind to right now. We've seen numerous examples of blind spots. As we've studied this sandwich section of Mark, we've already seen lots of examples Mark put in there of people with blind spots. Remember in Mark chapter 8, Jesus tells Peter that he's going to be crucified and rise again. And what does Peter do? Peter rebukes Jesus about his coming death and resurrection. Why? Because he thought that his idea of who the Messiah should be and what the Messiah should do was right. He thought that he had the right perspective. He was blind. Remember in Mark chapter 9, the disciples thought that how they were going about trying to heal a demon-possessed man was good. But Jesus showed them their faithlessness, their prayerlessness, their lack of dependence upon the Lord. They thought they were going about it the right way, but they were blind. In Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler thought that he had done everything necessary to gain eternal life. He thought he had it. But Jesus revealed to him that his love for money was greater than his love for the Lord. He was blind to it. So the question is this, how can we see more clearly? How can we have our eyes opened where we are blind? We need the light. We need to draw nearer to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And this is our fourth truth. Truth number four, we see more clearly as we draw nearer to the light. We see more clearly as we draw nearer to the light. This word is for Christians. When you choose to follow Jesus and believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, that's just the beginning of your journey. You are a spiritual baby in Christ. The scripture calls us to be continuously growing. We need to be further sanctified. We need to be perfecting holiness in Christ. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Ephesus about how to avoid the works of darkness and the blind spots within us. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says to them, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead do what? Expose them. How do we gain sight where we have blind spots? Expose them to the light. Let me ask you this. 
those of you who are followers of Christ, do you have anybody in your life that you are exposing your sin struggles to? Do you have anybody in your church family that knows the dark parts of your walk? We all need brothers and sisters in Christ who are getting in the dark places of our life to help us discern how to please the Lord and expose them to the light. Let me ask you this, church members, do you join us for prayer on Sunday nights where people can get in your business and ask you about your life? We must not hide ourselves and our sin struggles in the darkness. Expose them. Let me also ask you this. Do you come before God regularly in prayer, asking him to expose the blind spots in your spiritual life? Are you asking God that regularly? We all need to ask the Lord to show us what we are not seeing let me ask you this. Do you commit yourself to studying the word of God? God's word says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word of God pierces into our thoughts and into the intentions of our heart. God uses his word to expose the blind spots in our heart and in our mind. If you're sitting here this morning thinking that you don't have thoughts or attitudes or habits or worldviews that are blind spots, I want to warn you about the biggest barrier to realizing your blind spots, and that is pride. Your pride will do anything to keep you from exposing your blind spots. Pride is the enemy of seeing clearly. Humble yourself. Drop your pride. Now let's see how Jesus responds to Bartimaeus' request for sight. Look at verse 52. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith. has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Our final truth is this. Truth number five. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Remember, there was lots of uh, hustle and bustle going on in this scene. There were people all over the place, plenty of folks for Jesus to interact with. There were lots of people that wanted to be associated with this popular healer, this popular teacher that was traveling through. And Bartimaeus was a regular old beggar on the side of the road in Jericho. Many people there were probably familiar with him. 
They had seen him there day after day. And Bartimaeus got passed by over and over and over again. Person by person by person, repeatedly passing him by. But he was not passed by Jesus. The text says this. I think Mark put this in there on purpose, explicitly. It says, Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. He could have kept going. He could have said, sorry, Bart, I'm kind of busy. I uh, am about to go and be betrayed by my closest friends and tortured and murdered in order to save all of the people of God. But he didn't do that. The text says that he stopped and he saw and he called this man and he healed him. A man who most everybody ignores, Jesus sees in the midst of his suffering. And all Bartimaeus could offer to Jesus was humble submission and faith in the master. Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and in the Greek he calls him Rabboni which is a recognition of Jesus as master. He had faith in Jesus. And honestly, that's all that any of us can offer to the Lord Jesus, is our faith in him to heal us, to give us mercy. So in conclusion, some uh, takeaways for us this morning. First of all, If you're struggling in a difficult time and suffering, take heart, get up, he's calling you. I want to encourage you this morning that whenever we experience difficult times and suffering, we're tempted to think that the Lord does not care, and we're tempted to lose our faith in him, all the while the Lord is trying to use that trial, that suffering, to draw you desperately to Him. He's trying to use that suffering also to show you your blind spots. He's trying to use that hard situation to open your eyes. You might be here this morning discouraged and thinking that your sins are too great You might be thinking that you are too far gone in the darkness. You might feel like Jesus has passed you by. You might think the opportunity to receive mercy from him is gone. The message is this. Take heart. Get up. Jesus is calling you. The blind man Bartimaeus got up, had faith in Jesus, and received healing from the Savior. And he followed him. And the call is the same for you this morning. Come off the side of the road and follow Jesus on the way to the cross, on the way to resurrection life. Takeaway number two, be exposed to the light. Be exposed to the light. The only path to walking in the light as Christ is in the light is to expose your life to the light. Brothers and sisters, it's no coincidence that the people who are walking and abiding in Christ and in step with him the most 
are those who are submitting themselves to studying God's word, to fellowshipping with our church family, to praying together, to confessing sin to one another, to serving the body, serving the lost. Walk in the light. Now you might say this morning, I'm sorry, Stephen, I just don't want to do that. Well, I would say this, praise the Lord that you now see that that's a problem. And that is no longer a blind spot for you. And the message for you this morning is to ask the Lord to change your want to. If you're saying, I don't want to do that, walk in the light, I'm comfy. Ask the Lord to change your desire and watch him do it. Takeaway number three. This is our last takeaway. Never stop being desperate for Christ. Never stop being desperate for Christ. We do not graduate from how much we need Jesus. We all must maintain an attitude of humility, not an attitude of entitlement. Beware of your pride. It is sneaky. When you fail, repent and cry out to the Lord. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for this story that Mark records. We praise you that Jesus is the light. We praise you that um, a thousand years before, Samuel recorded that the promised ruler who would offer mercy was coming. We praise you that hundreds of years earlier, Isaiah wrote down the prophecy that the healer was coming. Jesus, we are desperate for you. I pray for everyone here that they would understand their desperation for Christ. I pray for the believers here that are comfortable and are not seeking to find out what their blind spots are. I pray, Lord, that you would Use this word this morning to change our desires. You would use this morning to motivate your people to find out what works of darkness are in their heart, in their mind. And I pray that they would be exposed. I pray you would show our church family where we don't see clearly. And you would sanctify us in your truth. You would give us sight, Lord. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.